Happy Easter. Death, where is your sting, baby? Death, where is your sting, right? Cool story. Um, we went home, Sarah said, um, a couple of weeks ago for a funeral. And uh, it was my brother-in-law. His father passed away, and he went in for a bypass surgery. Things went wrong. Um, they don't know what happened, um, but he was ready to go home on a Tuesday. And that Tuesday, they went in, and he was having pressure. And they went to relieve the pressure, and all of a sudden, his eyes rolled back in his head, and he just died on the bed and with his wife there. And so the doctor comes in and rips open his chest, and they start massaging his heart and stuff. And um, they got his heart beating after a while, but um, after about a week or something, he, they, the brain was so dead that um, they decided just to let him go, and as per his wishes. Um, but my brother-in-law has a brother that lives in Wisconsin and two sisters that live in Texas, and they were trying to get all the way to Colorado, and Colorado had, was shut down because of a blizzard. So the, air, the airport was shut down, the highways coming in were shut down, and there's just snow everywhere, and they were trying to get there. And Luckily, the, the brothers and siblings got there and everything, and uh, they were crowded around his bed, the father's bed. And uh, they said, Sarah asked my brother-in-law an interesting, an interesting question. She said, um, is it worse than you could ever imagine losing a parent? And he looked at her and he said, it's so much better than you could ever imagine. Because here's what happened in that room. He's lying there, brain dead, dying. And his brother's a Christian musician. He had his guitar out. And they were singing around this bed, worshiping. And his wife is just singing, death, where is your sting? Death, where is your sting? And they're just worshiping around him because he was a pastor for 37 years. And it's just, it's who they are. And, and the time came when, when they unplugged him from the machine and, and he's just there taking his last breaths. And they're just praising God this whole time. And, and kid you not, their dad opens their eyes, takes the biggest smile and dies. Like, death, where is your sting? Amen? Amen. Amen. The coolest thing ever. Let me pray. God, I just uh, lift up this morning to you uh, all that we are, all that we are to become, all that we were, God, to you. And uh, we just lift up these words to you. God, I pray that you would speak to me and through me, God. Anything in this message that's not of you, I just give you permission to just work what you need to work, God. I am your vessel. Lord, we lift up all that we are, all that this morning is to you. In Jesus, the risen King's name, amen. Amen. Anybody else um, love to just take junk and fix it up? Make it something great? Okay, honestly, how many of you, raise your hand, how many of you go and you see something on the side of the road or somewhere that ain't work and you just pick it up and you bring it home? <laughs> and and uh, let's be honest, is it still there in the same shape as when you brought it home? <laughs> a few of you are like, yeah, no. Oh, my grandfather was a uh, garbage man, garbage truck driver. And this guy, you know, growing up Depression era and stuff, he collected everything that he saw of value that was in the rubbish. So going into his garage, there was this amazing old truck in there. And on top of the truck and on all the walls hanging, it was junk. He had TVs stacked on top of TVs, and he had a drawer full of pocket knives, and he had anything you could think of was in this garage. It was amazing as a kid to go in there, but you weren't allowed in there. 
go figure. Come on, it's the best playground. And he would bring stuff, and he would once in a while he would grab one, and he would fix it up, and he would make it happen. Make it happen. Dave's shaking his overhead. Are you the guy that makes it happen? <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, I tried that. Um, you should have seen when we moved here. We sold everything and got rid of everything, and I had so much junk in our house. I looked at my garage. I was like, I don't want to move, sir, just because I don't want to get rid of this stuff. It's going to be a massive job. But my grandpa was this guy who just had all of this stuff, who had a dream to create something that was broken, something that was of less value, and turn it into something great. And I want to sit in this, this, um, this book this morning, this, not the resurrection part of this book, because the resurrection part is the end game. I want, to, I want to look at something new that often gets overlooked, and that is the beginning of the game. So if you guys are with me, um, Sarah, would you mind doing the PowerPoints for me? Um, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3, and we've got Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve are in the garden, and they have um, eaten of the fruit, right? And the fall happens. We call it the fall. What happens at the fall? What was the fruit the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? So it wasn't the tree of sin. It was actually the tree of knowledge. It was wisdom that they gained from this fruit that they ate. And I want to sit here in chapter 3, starting in verse 10. God is looking for Adam. They've eaten. God's walking through the garden. He says, Adam, where are you? And Adam answers him in verse 10. He says, he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. This is really interesting to me. And he said, this is God talking now, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some of the fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord said, God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And, and, and we know what happens here, right? Their eyes are open and, and here's Adam and Eve, they eat of this fruit and their eyes are open and they realize they're naked and they go into the garden and they're hiding from God. And God comes, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? And Adam says, I heard you, God, but I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Notice three things come in here. There's fear. There's this need to isolate ourselves and hide. And then there's this nakedness. And I find it really, really interesting that God doesn't address the fear. God doesn't address the isolation. He addresses this nakedness. So, a few things happen because of this. God says, continuing down in verse 16, he says to the woman, God says, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Then he turns to Adam. He says to Adam, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat. Listen to this. He says, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, hard work, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food. It's interesting to me. Here at the beginning, we have God, Adam, and Eve in this garden. Perfect fellowship. And then they eat, and they, they gain, gain knowledge, they gain wisdom, and their eyes are open, and they realize they're naked, so we hide. And God says, Adam, where are you? Adam says, 
God, I heard you. I'm hiding because I'm afraid of you. Now we're naked. And God says, what have you done? You ate of this fruit. And now God turns to Eve. What have you done? She says, I ate of it. And Adam, what have you done? Okay, guys, I asked you not to do that. So because of that, it's going to be painful when you have children. It's going to be painful when you give birth. And actually your desire, remember that I put you here to be a helper for your husband. Your desire is going to be for him I find that interesting. That can be a whole sermon on that one, right? Your desire is now for your husband, and he will rule over you. In some of the translations, it says you will desire to control your husband, and he will rule over you. And then he goes on to Adam. He says, Adam, listen, you had it easy, man. These trees gave you the fruit that you wanted. They fed you all the time, but now you're going to have to work hard for it. Thorns and thistles, you're going to plant something, and thorns and thistles are going to grow up, and they're going to choke it out, and you're going to have to work by the sweat of your brow. And we have six things that happen here we have fear we have isolation and secrecy and we have nakedness and then we have pain in childbirth and we have a desire for a husband and we have thorns and thistles that happen at the beginning and i want to take a moment because here is the beginning of of the reason christ came this is why he came. This was the root of it all. And I want to look at now from Christ's birth to his death, his redemption of these things. Uh, go with me to John chapter 14. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter 14, verse 27. He says this. These are Jesus' words. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or what? <laughs> afraid. In the beginning, fear creeps in. I, was, I heard you, God. I was afraid of you, God. And here's Jesus teaching. And he says, listen, I'm going to give you a gift. This peace, a peace of mind, a peace of heart. And guess what? You don't have to be afraid. Christ comes in and he goes, okay, here's the beginning of redemption. I'm going to teach you guys all about it as we go along that leads up to the cross. Now let's take a look at Luke chapter 12. Easier if I just read it from there. The time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed. Everything that is hidden, everything that is in isolation, everything that is secret will be revealed. And all that is secret will be made known to all. Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. God, I heard you, but I was afraid, so I hid. And Jesus comes in and he says, ah, yeah, there's a time coming. I will give you a gift of peace, peace of mind, and I will also reveal everything. There's not going to be anything hidden again that was hidden. You don't have to hide anymore. And let's go again to John chapter 3. Jesus replies. So now we're talking about uh, Nicodemus here. He goes and he's, he goes and finds Jesus in the dark. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He goes and finds Jesus in the dark and he's asking Jesus what's going on. And Jesus is talking to Nicodemus here. Jesus replies, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. I want you to keep that one in mind. 
How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. So we have Jesus talking about birth here. Jesus talking about new life here. So we've got fear. We've got he's hidden. We've talked about birth with, Mar- with Eve. And let's keep going. Mark chapter 2, verse 18. Jesus answers. So now the Pharisees are questioning Jesus and his disciples, saying, why aren't your, fa- your disciples fasting like John's are? And this is Jesus' answer to them. Jesus answers, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? Who are the guests? His disciples. Who is the bridegroom? Christ. Remember what Jesus said to Eve in the garden. Your desire is going to be for your husband, your husband, the bridegroom, the groom of the bride. Jesus is now saying, listen, I am the bridegroom. How can they fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. And on that day, they will fast. So we have fear. We have isolation. We have this pain of childbirth. And we have this desire for a husband. And I want one more. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of what was a curse that was growing out of the ground at the beginning to make it hard for Adam to work thorns. Do you see how Christ is tying all of this stuff together in his life, in his ministry? 33 years he was on this planet, and this guy teaches everything to us and everything we need to know about him and his life and his resurrection and his salvation for us in this book. We need to tie it together because we have, in the beginning, we have fear comes in. They're hiding. God, I heard you. I was afraid of you. So we hid because we were naked. Naked. Do you know much about Roman crucifixion? The Romans were professionals at killing people. They were the best of the best. And not only that, they were the best at humiliating people while they did it. There are third-party witness accounts by many of the historians in that time of Rome that talk about what a Roman crucifixion was like. And they did not have a loincloth on their body. They were butt naked, crawling through the street, beaten half to death, so that they could have the maximum amount of pain during the flogging to get them as close to death as they could possibly get, and then forced to carry their cross usually the crossbeam of the cross, through the town in humiliation, naked, beaten, bloody, through the town to this place called Golgotha, the the skull, where they would then put them down, nail them to the crossbeam, nail their feet to to the cross, and stand them up. And oftentimes, the Romans would humiliate them by doing things to them, especially private areas. They were professionals at humiliating people. They were professionals at killing people and they were professionals at placing pain upon an individual. So when we see Christ and we see Adam hiding because of his nakedness and Christ goes to the cross, fully carrying his nakedness to that cross in all of his glory, he says, Adam, 
There was fear. You don't have to fear anymore. I know you you were hiding, but you're not going to have to hide anymore. Eve, listen, you guys were naked. There was shame with that. You don't have to be shamed anymore. And he says, listen, there's going to be childbirth, and it's going to be painful. But what does he tell Nicodemus? You have to be born again. When was a person born again? When was Christ? When was the new birth? On the resurrection. He took that child pain to the cross, the maximum amount of pain possible before a birth, took it to the cross, nailed it there, and said, you can be born again because of me. So come follow me, take your cross, and rebirth into new life, into eternal life because of me. And he took that pain and he nailed it to the cross. And he says, your desire is going to be for your husband. I am the husband. I am the bridegroom now. And he takes that and he stomps on it. And then he says, there's going to be thorns and thistles. He says, bring it on. Bring it on. I'll wear it on my head. And in fact, take that that scepter thing, whatever it's called, smack me on the head with it. They're spitting on him, punching him. Put the thorns on his head. Hit him on the head with the stick. And he's going, bring it on. Because that's part of the original fall. It has to happen. Come on. Come on. And from the very beginning, this foundation, this foundation of of breakdown and this foundation of hurt and this introduction of fear and sin and all of this stuff, Christ says, I'll take it to the cross and I'll nail it there and I'll leave it there because that's where it belongs because they're going to rise with me in all glory after the cross. After three days, I am going to defeat the sting of death. Death, where is your Sting, And it's no wonder why our pastor friend could lay there in his bed dying and smile, the biggest smile, as he gives his last breath and Christ opens his arm and says, Come to me, buddy. Well done. You've run the race. You've done it. How could you not smile in that moment? Christ, Galatians 3.13, sums it up. Christ redeemed us from the curse of of the law, the curse of a law, the law, by becoming a curse for us, not for the disciples, not for you, not for them, for us. He became a curse for us, for it is written, curses everyone who is hung on a tree. Was the cross by accident? No. Were the thorns by accident? No. Was the pain by accident? No. Were these conversations about being a bridegroom by accident? No. Was this nakedness by accident? No. He was taking everything from the very beginning and redeeming it fully. So if you go away with anything here this morning, I want you to go away with this. There is nothing, nothing beyond redemption. Fear, isolation, secrecy, your nakedness, your shame, your painful, your pain, your desires, your thorns and thistles, those things that come up in your life and choke you out, those people that come up in your life and choke you out, there is nothing, nothing beyond redemption in Christ. Nothing in your life is beyond redemption. Let me say that again. Nothing Not that pain from the abuse when you were a kid. Physical, emotional, verbal, 
that can and has been redeemed. That relationship where that boyfriend or girlfriend says some pretty bad stuff about you that you ended up believing about yourself that you're not smart, you're not pretty, you're overweight, you're too skinny, you're not, you're not strong enough, you're not fast enough, you're not... That has been redeemed. Nothing, nothing in your life is beyond redemption. So why do you keep it there? Christ took the fear. He took the pain. He took the nakedness and shame. He took it all, nailed it to the cross, and said, you are mine. You are mine. So why do you sit and wallow in the crap that's happened in your life? That's done. Nothing in your past is beyond redemption. Nothing in today is beyond your redemption. And nothing in your tomorrow is beyond redemption because I took it, nailed it to the cross, and left it there. I said, I am going to the Father, and you are welcome. I'm going to sit at the right hand of God the Father, and guess where Jesus invites you to? Sit at the right hand of God the Father in eternity. When he says it is finished on the cross, let it be finished. Stop starting it up again. Stop wallowing in that stuff of your past. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. Oh, but he hurt me. Oh, yeah. You know, some of us have been through some horrible stuff. Some have been experienced rape. Some have experienced physical abuse. Some have experienced loss of life and relational just separation from a very, very young age. And we, and we, why do we say live there? We are beyond that. Christ said, yeah, that's happened. I know that's happened in your life. I was there with you when that happened. I was there. I saw it. And he says, come with me. Come with me because there's something amazing for your life. Dave, Dan, and Hannity we had last week on the, on the, on the um, panel. And these guys have been through some stuff in their life. And God has said, hey, guys, come on. I got something great for you. And these guys are running businesses, running men's groups. I mean, teaching people. These guys are amazing because they're not sitting and wallowing in what happened to them. They're using it as fuel. I love what Dan said. It's fuel to get me going to help people, to do something amazing in this life for people. It's fuel. It makes me go every morning. Why? Because it's not there anymore. It's on that cross, redeemed fully, and you can move on with your life because there is nothing, nothing in your life that is beyond redemption in Christ our Lord, Christ our King, the God who speaks and time is created, space is created, matter is created. Right, first sentence in, in the beginning, time. God created the heavens, space, and the earth, matter. That God says, you are mine. I know you each individually. I have chosen you. I have chosen you. Let's go. Let's go do something great in life. Amen? So my grandfather would take that stuff, and he would work hard. He would make it beautiful, and he would fix it, and he would put it in his house, and it was something beautiful. He would take that crap, and he would make it something beautiful. And God has done that for us. He took that stuff from the very beginning 
that stuff that is not so beautiful, that knowledge of good and evil that created something not so beautiful, nailed it to that cross. And he says, you are a new creation in me. And you are beautiful. Each one of you is so amazingly beautiful and so amazingly chosen and so amazingly loved. And I love what Paul says, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ. No angels or demons, heights nor depths, principalities, nothing in all of creation can separate you from that love. Nothing in your life is beyond redemption. So can we start today? Can we start today with a new journey from this point forward, going forward, coming up guys, with a new journey that today is going to be number one of the rest of our life. That today is going to be the day that we let our hurts and our pains stay on that cross and we take it forward from here and we choose to do something amazing with our life. Can we do that? Because there's nothing, not one single thing in your life that is beyond redemption. Amen? Amen. We got a special treat with these kids coming in. So let me pray for us and then we'll, we'll have them go. All right, God. Thank you for being the God of the universe, the God that breathes life into each one of us, that breathes love into each one of us. God, I pray that we would each take our lives, take our hurts, take our pains, and use them as fuel, Lord, to, to give you glory, to do amazing things for you, for your goodness, for your kingdom, God. Thank you for the gift of the cross, Lord. But more importantly, thank you for the gift of your resurrection. You are the resurrected king. You are the king above all kings, the name above all names. It's to you that we worship and to you that we praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.